Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories. The Destruction Factor by James Follett With T.P. McKenna, Paul Copley, and Rosalind Adams Episode 3 the Wings of Azrael. Three more growing on the verge back there. How are they managing to spread so quickly? Well, that's one of the first things we're going to have to find out. It's a leguminous plant, by the way. Same family as peas, broad beans, runner beans, that sort of thing. This is our road. Martin near London Airport for my liking. Oh, Dad must be back. Garage doors were open. Well, that's odd. He's put the car away and left the engine running. Uh, Denise, uh, <coughs> fetch your father, will you? Go on. Quickly, my dear. Uh, right. <coughs> See if the garage doors are unlocked, will you? What? Yes, yes, they are. <coughs> what a stupid thing to do. What a stupid thing to do. Look, we can't see. It's crazy, stupid thing. He didn't notice he left the engine running. <coughs> Look, uh, the handbrake's not on. <coughs> Pull on the bumper. That's it. My yeah. uh, boy. Turn the engine off. It's too late to call a doctor, I suppose. Yes. I am perfectly all right, Howard. I'm not some helpless female that needs dosing to the eyeballs with sedatives. You'll need my help with his papers. Mm. Okay then, sweetheart. If you're sure. Ah, here's something. Results of gamma radiation on batch five, twenty percent germination rate. Oh, uh, I've seen these before. The architect's plans for Complex B. He shouldn't have had all these company documents at home. Oh, all scientists are squirrels when it comes to papers. Here, show me. I say, is um, is that the climatorium? Yes. Oh, I'd like to see that. Oh, I don't think you'd be able to. Only the control room's open to the public. Well, apart from being able to flaunt a Rolls Royce in front of one's colleagues, one of the great advantages of copying a Nobel Prize is that it opens doors. <laughs> but it can wait. What I really want to see first is the bungalow where the first couple died. Oh, yes, Edward Downs and his wife. If you say so, my boy. I need a chauffeur. Oh, I'll run you over there. Denise is prettier than you. Yes, thank you, officer. We'll stand. Thanks. <laughs> Some mess, hmm? Our bedroom is in exactly the same state. Bricks almost vitrified by the heat. Why did you insist on me driving you here? Because you can't drive and cry at the same time. Floorboards, but I too. That's the joist left. Remarkable. Hello. Bird droppings everywhere. There's a gaping hole up there. Max, listen. Mm -hmm. 
I'm getting to know that sound. Seven of them. Thriving, too. Is it safe in here? Oh, yes. Ah, oh, there's no danger with a hole like that in the roof. The oxygen these lads are giving off is diffused into the atmosphere immediately. No, the danger is in an unventilated room. Have you seen enough? Yes, I think so. I'll just take one of these plants along with me. And then I'd be grateful if you'd kindly take me to the general hospital. A visitor for you, Anne. And you mind your manners, young lady. I ain't talking to no more fuzz. A policeman? Well, well. That's something I've never been accused of before, Anne. Or probation officers. Where'd you get that plant? Yeah. Odd-looking thing, isn't it? It's all right. Did you have one in your room when you and your two friends were burned? Look, I've told you all over and over, I don't know what caused that fire. But you did have a plant like this in your room. What if I did? No crime, is it? Hmm. Is uh, smoking a crime at your age? I forget. Who uh, smuggles them into you? Boyfriend, a porter? Well, never mind. Is that what you were about to do at the time of the fire? Smoke? You uh, struck a match and boom? Yes? I suppose so. You see, the thing I can't understand is how the three of you managed to escape from that room with only a burnt skull. Bad enough, wasn't it? No, 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 no. I didn't mean that. Other people who had the same thing happen to them were burned to death by their nightdress and pyjamas. You see? Well, thank you for seeing me, Anne. I must be off now. I thought you bought me that plant. Uh, I'll send you a nicer one. Promise. That was quick. Yes. Oh, by the way, Anne, why were you in the community centre? Tried to burn down my school, didn't I? Oh. Well, goodbye, Anne. And I'll send you that plant. You know, I'm puzzled by their injuries, nurse. Is that all the three girls had? Just scalp burn? No. I said that all the hair on their bodies had been burned. You mean they had other burns? Do I have to spell it out? No, I'm sorry, but... Oh, I see what you mean. They were naked at the time of the accident. They just had showers. Naked? Naked, well, of course. <laughs> That's the one thing that had me baffled. That explains how those three girls are still alive. Hmm. And it gives me a nicely rounded theory that our police and politicians will understand. Seed tray one, zero germination. What temperature to be started? Uh, 10 degrees centigrade. Well, that's only to be expected. Seed tray two is the same. But 15 degrees centigrade. No seeds have germinated to 15 degrees. Tray three is the same. Constant 20 degrees and germination is zero. 25 and 30 are the same. <sighs> the fastest growing plant the world has ever seen. And we can't persuade a few hundred of its seeds to germinate under ideal conditions. So why? Well, I suppose it's just possible there's a genetic fault and the exon strain will die out. Does that happen with mutation? It happens all the time in nature. The whole process of evolution is based on survival of the fittest. For every successful organism that survives to reproduce, a million fail. And Daddy's creation has failed? Well, we don't know for certain. But it will be better for the world if it has. Why? Doesn't the exon strain mean an abundance of food for the third world? That is what my father worked for all his life. Don't think I don't understand how you feel, Denise, but the Exxon strain is a failure. It can't possibly benefit mankind. Your father realized that. 
He spent his last days desperately scouring the district for the plants and ruthlessly destroying them when he found them. Why do you think he did that? If it wasn't because he understood our menace? Oh, come on, Mice, come on, OK. So the Exxon strain is a, an undesirable houseplant. That doesn't make it a menace, just don't bring them indoors. If the Exxon strain survives, which I doubt, because most leguminous plants are killed by frost, we will have to destroy it before it destroys us, and by us I mean mankind. Look, our present atmosphere contains 20% oxygen. Now, plant life gives us that 20%. Given the right conditions, Ralph Exxon discovered that it might be possible for his plant to double that percentage in five years, maybe less, if it gets established in places like Central South America. Now, have you any idea what effect that 40% oxygen atmosphere will have on civilization? I'll tell you. It will cease to exist. We'll have to have a world without fire, which means no industrial processes. But that's processes. absurd. Like mankind can adapt. Certainly. Given a few million years, we'd be lucky if we got 20. But it's not just industry. All plant life will die. The oxygen will destroy it. The Exxon strain appears to be the only plant that is oxygen resistant. Metal structures will rust as fast as they're put up. Rusting is just another verb for oxidizing. Meat will start to rot almost as soon as it's killed. You've seen contains antioxidants, haven't you, printed on food packets? Howard, didn't you have some cream go bad when we had that Exxon strain in the kitchen? Yes. Oh, but surely plants can't... I've only touched on the minor effects. Increased oxygen will make us hyperactive. We won't live so long. Oh, now you are being absurd. Have you ever looked at pictures of the Earth taken from space? Yes. You realise then just how delicate our atmosphere is, and only the bottom layer, a mere three miles thick, can support human life. It's as delicate and as vulnerable as the wall of a soap bubble. I've sent a report on the matter to the government's chief scientific advisor, Alfred Bloors, and a sample of the Exxon strain. I've suggested that the government offers generous rewards to anyone finding a plant. What with this zero germination rate we've discovered? Well, the Exxon strain could be wiped out in a couple of weeks. Tray six. Hey. Tray six, look at it. What? Ten rows. Ten seeds to a row. That's what I call a hundred percent germination. I could spend all day and all night shooting holes in this theory of yours, Mr. Flinders. Go ahead, but at least have the decency to put another one in its place, Mr. Blowers. Item. The fire at Howard Rogers and Denise Exxon's flat took place at night. No sunlight, therefore no photosynthesis, therefore no free oxygen released, therefore no fire as a result. The plant had been in the bedroom all day. A sealed room with no fireplace and plenty of draft excluded around the windows. Item. According to your findings, germination of the seeds doesn't take place until they've been exposed to temperatures above 40 degrees centigrade? Correct. Good. We agree on something. Now then, it's June. Air temperature outside is, what, a comfortable 22, would you say? Yes, about that. And you say that these, these so-called excellent strain plants are scattered over a wide area west of London. And spreading all the time we are sitting here. Get to the point, sir. <clears throat> the point is, Mr. Flinders, that we've not had one day so far this year in which the temperature has gone above 25 degrees. Even during a heat wave, temperatures above 40 are virtually unknown. So how can you possibly claim that your plants are still germinating and popping up all over the place? <laughs> yes, that's an awkward one. 
You agree that I've shot a little hole in your theory? You haven't. It was there all the time, and it's not little. You can explain it away. All I can do is guess. Then guess. Somebody or bodies is germinating the seeds and scattering them. Yes. That's our opinion, too. Ah? The opinion of my committee, Mr. Flinders. What committee, Mr. Bloors? The one that has been set up to investigate the phenomenon of the Exxon strain. Uh, thank you for that name. We haven't got one. Set up when? Uh, two weeks ago. It meets once a week. Your report was discussed at the last one. You mean... You mean that you've known about the Exxon strain all along? Oh, of course. You don't get a strange mutation appearing without the government getting to know about it. Then would you mind telling me why I've been subjected to ten minutes of abusive grilling? I'm sorry about that, but I was anxious to find out how much speculation there was in your report. <laughs> a ruffled man is a talkative man. We would like you to join our committee, plus Howard Rogers and Denise Exxon. Typical. A major problem crops up and we form a committee. Oh. How often did you say it meets? Once a week. This matter's urgent. It should meet once a day. Pressing, perhaps, not urgent. The seeds aren't germinating. The Ministry of Agriculture carried out similar tests to yours and found that germination does not take place below 40 degrees centigrade. I think they are germinating, and I think it is urgent. Yes. Have you carried out a plant census anywhere? The police will catch whoever is scattering them. Hmm. Why do you want Howard Rogers and Denise Exxon on the committee? Because they know as much as you. In fact, all three of you are required to join. So we can be gagged with the official secrets, Axon? Hmm. I would not have put it quite like that. As you three have identified the problem independently, we would hope that you will be willing to serve. All right. But you can't sit on a thing like this. People are attracted to the plants. They're taking them home. There were two more fires last week. Warning posters are being printed at the moment. There's a picture of the plant and a brief statement saying that it is poisonous. They'll be distributed to police stations, libraries and government offices. After a couple of days of press comment, the whole thing will be forgotten. I don't believe it. We have a mutation on our hands which terrified its creator, and we're talking about it as if it's a cold epidemic. Look, I don't like to sound patronizing to someone of your reputation, but we could be in an election year. Governments like election years to be calm years. Oh, politicians. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll probably have a new lot to cope with in the autumn, and the autumn frosts will kill off this wretched plant. Frostless autumns and winters aren't unknown. But unlikely. All the committee has to do is keep a close watch on the situation until then. You can carry on with your investigations into Exxon's work, but keep it unobtrusive. Uh, incidentally, the board of directors of Elko are being very cooperative. If you require access to Exxon's laboratories, I'm sure they'll be only too willing to... Okay, okay, we'll toe the line. Perhaps you can answer one thing. Why do you suppose Exxon opened his Complex B laboratories to the public? He thought it might ease the storm when it finally broke. He didn't have your confidence that it would be possible to keep quiet about the Exxon strain, and unlike the government, he was very, very frightened. I feel like God. Why? All these controls at my fingertips. Wind, sun, humidity. Do you suppose your father felt the same? Why should he have? He created life out there in that desert. Climatarium, whatever they call it. Dad didn't create life. He bombarded seas with neutrons and gamma rays to produce a permanent chromosomal change and gene mutation. Max said Dad merely speeded up nature. 
something like the Exxon strain could appear naturally next week or in the next million years. Those plants provide new wonders every day. Do they can turn their leaves so quickly towards a light source that they seem to rustle with anger when your shadow falls on them. What's the uh, oxygen concentration? Uh, 35%. Now, that's up 2% in the last hour since we increased the sunlight. Yes, I thought it was. My breathing was different. So the pumps aren't coping. No, it doesn't look like it. Uh, Denise, uh, would you pass your dad's notebook, please? Ah, yes, here it is, January 12. He had 2,000 plants growing that day. They could feed at noon. By 4 o'clock, oxygen concentration was 40%. Pumps were not reducing the concentrations, so I was obliged to vent the climatorium. What, what does he mean, vent the climatorium? Hey, well, who are you calling? Uh, Mike Harris, the chief engineer. Hello? Mike? Ah, Denise Exxon. We're in the climatorium control room. We've got an oxygen build-up. No, no, it's not dangerous. Vent? We're wondering how to vent the climatorium. The oxygen build-up must have been... Four switches above the humidifier control panel. Um, yeah, yeah, I can see them. Rising. What do they do? <laughs> you trying to pull my leg? Hmm? Okay. Thanks, Mike. We'll try them. Well? Do you want it vented now? Well, yes. Uh, well, what do the switches do? First switch equalizes pressure. Second and third switches release the latches. And the fourth switch, would you believe, opens the roof. Now I've seen everything. Uh, that's what I call clever. The entire dome opening like the petals of a giant flower. This is absolutely marvellous. We really must persuade the government finance the construction of a climatorium. I mean, to be able to create virtually any climatic condition in the world on such a, on such a huge scale. But come on. Let's go and see what the plants think of it. Amazing. Truly a remarkable piece of engineering. But why are the planks making such a row, Max? Well, this is how Exxon achieved a rapid drop in temperature to simulate conditions of the desert when the sun goes down. Opening the dome allows its giant bubble of warm air to escape. And after that, the refrigeration equipment can cope easily. Or in this case, a giant bubble of oxygen. Hmm, noisy, aren't Well, they're confused. See, now that the roof's open, the light is coming from all directions. It's incredible the way those pods burst and scatter seeds everywhere. Oh, do you want us to save them? Seeds? No, no, no. We've got plenty. Uh, have you found out why they need such high germination temperatures, Max? Well, now, that is still the great mystery. Blowers has at least established a census area. It's used market garden near Weybridge. There were three plants to the hectare last week. Now the figure's up to five. It's going on the agenda for next week's meeting. Oh, damn. Why, the land was so cheap. This complex is right under one of London Airport's flight paths. I can't stand those things. 
The jet engine is third on my list of retrograde creations of the 20th century. Nuclear weapons are second, and this plant is right on top. Why? Oh, I'm sorry, Denise. We can control nuclear weapons and jets, but we can't control the Exxon strain. But we can learn. We've been waging war on weeds for 10,000 years. We haven't beaten them yet, and we never will. Well, you've never called the Exxon strain a weed before. A weed is any unwelcome or noxious plant. A definition that fits the Exxon strain admirably. Listen. Hmm? What? What is it? Why is it going dark? <gasps> birds! Look! Millions of birds! Let's, let's start walking very slowly towards the control room airlock. But don't... Don't run. Whatever you do... Don't run. seeds. Good heavens. Denise, is it possible to close the roof slowly? Yes. There's a variable speed control above the switch. Then close it as slowly as you can. I don't want any of those birds to escape. Ah, good morning, Mr. Flinders. So this is your control area? Mm. Very impressive. A derelict market garden with a topsoil varying from clay to light loam. Sounds ideal. What's the latest count? Twenty to the hectare. And five last month? That's mm. quite a jump. And from what I saw from the train on the way down, it seems general throughout the country. The police are carrying out discreet checks on all flying clubs in the south. There's a possibility that some maniac is scattering the seeds from the air. Yes, and I've got some interesting data for you, enough for you to call an urgent extraordinary meeting of the committee. Have you thought of the consequences of the seeds reaching tropical regions where they can germinate without artificial heat? One seed can become a mature plant in four weeks and produce 2,000 seeds. With a 50% germination rate, that gives us a million plants in two months, a thousand million in three months from one seed. No one is denying that there is a problem, Mr. Flinders. Bring every member of the committed Complex B tomorrow at three, and I will show you the true scale of the problem. Uh, now, wait a minute, Flinders. You can't expect me to call an extraordinary meeting on your say-so. Three o'clock tomorrow, Bloors. The climatorium and Elko's Complex B. I'll warn the main gate to expect your party. I'll be there, alone. Oxygen concentration is now up to 40 percent. It's climbing fast. We're going to have to open the roof within the next five minutes, Max. You've been busy, Mr. Flinders. How many plants are in the climatorium? At ten to the square metre, about 17,000. Mm, quite a spectacle. A lot of work germinating, that many seeds. They germinated by natural means, hmm? and they're flourishing. We've maintained sunlight at a level to simulate the Earth's temperate region. That concentration's 41.2. It's going up fast. You mean that all these plants have propagated themselves? We've provided sunlight and water, 
That's all. Frightening, isn't it? But how? Well, that's what we're about to show you. Hello, Denise. How are things on the roof? Fine. I feel like a tourist in Trafalgar Square. The whole of the admin roof is swarming with birds fighting over the seeds. They're even snatching them out of my hand. They love them. Ooh, I don't know how she can do that. Uh, 42%. Thank you, Denise. Stand by. Now, when the climatorium roof opens, Laws, you will see something that will haunt you for the rest of your life. You will be invaded by thousands of birds. Video recorders on, Howard. Rolling. Oxygen concentrations, 42%. Equalising pressure now. 43%. The meters are creeping into the red zone. Releasing latches. Tell her we've got to. Oxygen concentrations, 44%. Denise. Yes. I'm sorry, we've got to open. The oxygen concentration is reaching a dangerous level. Max, listen, you must open the roof. The birds, they're, they're rising up in, in a great cloud in the jumbo's park. Close the roof, for God's sake. Close it. Hundred and fifty-three. My fault. My fault. I should have realized that releasing thousands of birds. It wasn't the birds. The flock was nowhere near the aircraft when it. Oh, Denise, I'm going to take her home. Come on, it's all right. Come on. So it was the oxygen. Yes. A huge bubble in it. Rising into the air, too large to disperse quickly enough. Sucked into the aircraft's jet engines. They blew up. Why did you mount such a crazy experiment? Why? To show you how the Exxon strain is spreading throughout the country. The birds eat the seed whole. Perhaps it has a smell that attracts them. I don't know, but they can't digest them. Their body heat cracks the seed skin. And they pass out of the bird's body, ready to germinate in a nice dose of fertilizer to help them get started. Well, now we know how the plants are spreading, maybe we can do something about it. Can we? Isn't there something you've forgotten? The birds start their main winter migration soon. They'll carry the seeds with them, spreading them throughout the world. Like everything else, we've probably left it too late. Only this time we don't get a second chance. In The Destruction Factor by James Follett. The part of Max Flinders was played by T.P. McKenna. Howard Rogers, Paul Copley, Denise Exon, Rosalind Adams. Nurse, Joan Matheson. Anne, Christine Absalom. Blowers, Michael Shannon. The production was by David Spencer.
thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.